Bebop-a-bop-bop. Hey, everybody, and welcome to my very first podcast show. I call it A Hard Pill to Swallow. My name is Mary, and I want to invite all of you into my haphazard life. You probably never listened to anything quite like it. I believe it will lift you up. There will be no editing, as I do not know how to do that. I had a heck of a time trying to get this far. Just try to listen till the end, and I think you'll be glad that you did. Who am I? A not-so-ordinary older lady, 69 to be exact. Well, that's not exactly exact. I was born in July. I live in a shoebox, a trailer. It's only 390 square feet, and believe you me, it's nice and tight, period. Oh, gracious me, I don't know how to stop adding those punctuation marks to my sentences. Like when I'm texting, I put in marks and all that jazz. I use speakerphone, because if I'm texting, I can't type fast enough without making too many mistakes. And it's a really good thing that I look at the Texas before I hit the send button. Did I say button or did I say bottom? Either way, I've had some real doozies. I think autocorrect should be called auto-incorrect, don't you? And it's so weird that my iPhone can spell a word like diphenhydramine just perfectly. But if I say I'll take a pass. It comes through as, get off my, ah, holy moly. I have grandkids for Pete's sake. Well, enough of that silly business. It's time to get on with the show. I think it would be kind of nice to do a short podcast, mm, about once a week or maybe two. I want my shows to be humorous and surprising. They need to be well-rounded, kind of like a hot dog covered with relish and ketchup and mustard, and maybe some sauerkraut to add a bit of gusto and flavor. Hopefully, they'll be easy to digest, and not too many ums and buts and whos and whats. I want people to be happy, and I hope you will be. I think you'll laugh, too. Laughter is like a lightning bolt. It lights you up and makes you shine. We all need a smidgen of that now and then. Did I mention my name? It's Mary, and I hope I'm not boring you already. It's true, I am a little bit quirky. And one thing I do like to do is find good and not-so-good situations. We all have them, but it's what we do with them that really matters. I try to make them interesting, even if the beginning is rather upsetting and kind of scary. Today, I'm going to share one of my upside-down happenings with you. It took place several months back. I was so excited because I got a new job. And the day before I was to start, I treated myself to a facial. Mind you, I didn't want to spend those dollars, but I thought a treatment would make me brighter, not so older looking. Well, That night, when it was time for me to take my calcium pill, you know, the large, hard caplets, I keep them in the refrigerator so they stay fresh. But I didn't sip enough water 
through the straw to force down that crappy pill. And doggone it, that cold pill hit my warm throat and got stuck in my windpipe. I couldn't get air, any air. It was a most awful experience. In seconds, I was on my knees, and I couldn't help but ask myself, is this it? Is my life over? You see, I live alone, and the feeling of not being able to breathe was horrific. And I don't know how, except for by the grace of God, that it went down. Afterward, I gasped and basked. My chest hurt oh so badly, and soon the burping and belching took over. I sounded like a sailor, but it helped me to feel better. It took away some of the tightness. Doggone it, I said to myself. I never should have had those dang green beans with onions and peppers for dinner. All night long, I cried from the aching that was going on in my chest and those loud bodily noises never stopped. Hours later, I saw the light of day streaming through my drapes, and I forced myself to get up. It was a hard push. I couldn't call in sick on my very first day, though, especially when my sweet daughter, Rachel, had given me the job in the first place. You see, I have to work to live, and I was out of a job. And she saved me from a life of God knows what. Looking rather ragged, I merged onto the 60 and headed to downtown Phoenix. My car stunk from the many belches that erupted. I had to wonder if the other motorists might have heard me make them. But they looked rather bored, except for the man in the rusted old truck that was piled 10 foot high with wooden pallets. He kept honking his horn. He looked like he could be the roadrunner flying past Wiley Coyote. Beep, beep. I thought he was a bit Looney Tunes. Maybe you're thinking that I'm a little bit Looney Tunes. In those moments, I wanted to get as far away from his stacked-up calamity as I could. The Broadway curb was coming up. I harnessed it. I hung back, lane left because the truck was leaning heavy right. Gritting my teeth and holding back another, you know what, I sped up and passed him. 20 minutes later, I arrived at my new job. Everyone there smiled at me and welcomed me on board. Did I say on board or on burp? Oh, well, I hoped I didn't smell like my car did. I lifted my shirt, dang it all. Somehow, I faked it through my four-hour shift and reached my purse. As I was about to leave, Rach asked me, Mom, would you mind picking up the kids from school? It would surely help me out. I'm running behind today. I hadn't told her about the pill incident. I didn't want to worry her. Of course not, I said. My heart wanted to cry. But my grandkids, Avery and Duncan, ages 6 and 10, are so wonderful and loving. I couldn't say no, but I wanted to say no. Have any of you ever said yes when you really wanted to say no? I needed to give myself another push to get me over that finish line. When I arrived at the school, 
The first thing my grandkids echoed was, I'm hungry, Nana. Can we go to Subway? I breathed in a sigh and said, all righty. Now, Duncan, he always could say six-inch sub with bacon and ham. Nothing else, except the bread, of course. But there are no discounts for a flat sandwich. Did you know that? And we hadn't even sat down two minutes before Duncan dropped a piece of his precious bacon under the table. I moaned. Big sister Avery anticipated his next move and yelled, Don't, Duncan. He smiled sweetly and tilted his head, looked under the table and said, Rest in peace, bacon. Oh, how hard we laughed. My chest felt good and other, I don't like to say the word bad, at the same time. When we walked into the house, I thought that I'd crossed the finish line. I could almost see the black and white checkered flag waving. But all of a sudden, I felt lightheaded. Mark, Rachel's husband, looked strangely at me and said, You don't look so good, Mary. And a moment later, Rach walked in, saw me and said, You don't look so good, Mom. My chest felt so tight. I put my hand over my heart and said, I think I'm having a heart attack. Rach grabbed her phone and dialed 911. She held my hand. I looked at her now, and she was the one that didn't look so good. Within minutes, the paramedics arrived and checked me over. Oh, no, too much attention. I don't like attention, unless it's my birthday, of course. The EMTs gave me nitroglycerin and some other stuff and called the hospital for instructions. The ride in the ambulance shifted me, or maybe my head was what was shifting. Either way, I wanted out, but I couldn't get out. In the ER room, I felt as if my life was out of my hands, and after two doses of morphine, to de-stress me, I was spinning in uncharted waters. In that moment, I didn't like anything about anything or anybody. The oxygen mask helped me to breathe better, but I thought it made me look bug-eyed. Even in our worst moments, us ladies want to look our best, don't we? This surely was not my best and the blood pressure cup that was attached to my arm squeezed and squeezed. I thought it would squeeze the life right out of me. I was punctured and probed like I was a turkey baking in the oven on Thanksgiving. You know, you never know if it's done or not until you poke it again and again and check its temperature a few more times. The nurse finally left. The BP machine started up again, and when it hit 200, I couldn't take it anymore. I yanked the cup off of my arm. I heard a big pop, pop. It sounded like a balloon losing air, and it made the shh sound. But I breathed my best sigh of relief. The nurse came back, looked at the cup, and then at me, kind of disgustingly. And I thought, really? So I leaned forward as best as I could and asked her, are you having a bad day? She looked kind of ashamed and said, no worries. The doc came in and told me that my cardiac enzymes proved I had had a heart attack. 
I couldn't wrap my head around her words. I thought heart attacks pounded you down. Mine was different. It hurt a lot, but it wasn't excruciating. They admitted me. A half hour later, I met Nurse Mink. She was a short Asian woman who wore a large, ventable mask. Her face looked like a snout on a big pig. The contraction went around her nose and mouth and was held in place with straps that climbed over the top and back of her head. Can you picture her? Her words were so garbled. I wasn't sure if it was because of her dialect or the protection equipment she wore. She didn't understand me much either. She wrote on the Dara erase board that was hanging on the wall, and she was quick about her work, kind of like Santa Claus. She should have put on a red stocking cap to cover those awful, ugly straps. Ho, ho, ho. But she didn't look like she laughed much, and I came to know she didn't. With a bit of a jerk, she handed me two plastic cups and pointed to the bathroom. I presumed one was for a urine sample, and the other, I guessed, maybe a BM sample? How much do you need, I asked her, and I lifted my hand up with my thumb and forefinger, spread them about an inch, and said, about this much? She just nodded. You understand it won't be until the morning, right? And I'll need to cut it to make it fit. Do you have a plastic knife and maybe an extra pair of gloves? No, she sounded like a sergeant. I was tired and frustrated. I said, okay, there's a spoon here. Maybe that'll work. I held it up off of the porta table. When I turned back around, she was gone. The next morning came much too quickly. Believe you, me, I wasn't looking forward to the job at hand. With a gross look, I did the dirty deed. I felt a bit proud of my efforts, and when Nurse Mink came in, I gave the samples to her. She looked oddly at them, and with a long reach of her arm, she set them on the counter and proceeded to take my vitals. She uttered something that I didn't understand, shook her head and scowled at me. I needed a spit specimen. I could almost visualize her mask filling up with her spit. Now, I need to ask all of you, why would I need to wait until morning to spit into a cup? I watched Nurse Mink lean against the counter and she lined her middle finger up with the trash can and without batting an eye, she flicked the little turd into the can. I felt my face growing warm. I was sure I looked sheepish, bah, bah. but how was I supposed to know what she wanted? The nurse's assistant came on the scene. It was time for my coronary angiogram. It's a procedure that uses x-ray imaging to see your heart's blood vessels. Right after the cardiologist explained, I had had a non-STEMI heart attack. My heart was only beating at 25%, and it was all caused by the stress of my choking on that dang pill. I found out non-STEMI stands for non-segment elevation 
myocardial infarction. I thought infarction sounded like a naughty word, but it kind of rolls off the tongue when you say it. Infarction. Say it aloud with me. And if you drop the first and third syllable, you can say, what the fuck are you talking about? Sounds better than the big F word. And if you say it softly, what the fuck? It's kind of cute. Not so rough around the edges. Oh, and if you are having a tip with your partner, you can say, baby, what the fuck did I do wrong? And he or she might say, it's okay, honey. I could stay mad at you. You're too cute. Fight is averted. The phlebotomist came into my room for the third time. She wanted more of my blood. The doctor had ordered one more test. I wondered if she had any fangs hidden behind her mask. I told her, you're going to have to wait until tomorrow. I've had too many holes punctured in me already. I want to get better. And every time you poke me, it doesn't feel good. And it bruises me. She left my room with her head shaking. Good, I said aloud. Did I mention I can be a bit ornery? Anywho, the good news, I had minimal damage. I was a whistling Mary. <whistles> Two days later, I was dismissed, and I couldn't have been happier. I think the hospital staff was happy, too. Maybe they threw a party. Of course, they didn't include me. Now, my best friend, Matt, who lives in Florida, called to check in on me. I told her how my endurance level had been stretched to the brink. I told her about my refusing my legs, my, my legs, my labs. And she said, blah, blah, blah. she couldn't say the word phlebotomist. Instead, she sounded like Flipper flapping his tongue in the water. Oh, crap, she said, and finally gave it up. I told her about the water pill the cardio doc had prescribed. His instructions were for me to take one before bedtime every night. How stupid is that doctor? She shrieked. I guess pretty stupid, I told her. You see, my friend is quite a character. That's why we get along so well. Goodness, she barked. I hope he sent you home with a box of diapers, too. Oh, she made me chuckle, and we laughed and laughed until I thought I had peed my pants. I should have asked him, what the fuck were you thinking, Doc? Huh? Mac didn't understand what I had said, but you do. After I hung up, I remembered when I was about nine years old. Mom choked on a bone at the dinner table. My dad jumped up and flipped her upside down and slapped her hard on the back. The piece of bone came out, thank God. My parents sat back down as though nothing had happened. Mom took a bite of mashed potatoes with gravy and frowned. They're cold. She liked her dishes to be hot. It broke the tension in the room. We all had laughed. I hope you all have laughed at least a little. Quote of the day. Friendship binds the world together in peace. May we all become friends. The moral of my story, don't take the large caplets or any pills without a big, and I mean a really big, 
mouthful of water to wash it down. Or better yet, take gummies. That's what I do now. I learned a life-saving lesson the hard way. My heart is doing great. It just goes to show that when you almost pee your pants, you may as well laugh about it. Life is shorter than you think. Maybe, in truth, the hard pill to swallow is me. Embrace yourself. Embrace one another.